Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College. Its annual Summer Institute for Educators takes place June 25th through 27th. Registration is now open at landmark.edu lcsi. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. You're listening to the MindShift Podcast where we explore the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I'm Nima Gobier. During a science lesson when I was in fifth grade, my teacher dissected a cow's eyeball. It was disgusting, and it smelled weird, and I thought it was really cool. I enjoyed it the way that many kids that age seem to naturally love gross things. If a student is a girl, Black, or Latinx, there's a good chance those feelings of wonder and excitement won't continue through high school-level science classes. These groups are less likely to see their identities represented in science fields and will often experience doubts about their abilities, all of which can lead them to feel like STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math is not for them. And man, I just had to write a book to destroy that idea that we're not all science and math people because we are. That's Chris Emden, a former math and science teacher. He's currently the Nasland Endowed Chair in Curriculum and Teaching at the University of Southern California. And he's here to tell us about how we might reimagine STEM subjects to be more inclusive and teach in a way that creates young people with strong STEM identities. More on that after the break. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate. 
www.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Many students, and I'm guilty of this too, might say, I'm not a math person or I'm not a science person. But you believe that everyone has a STEM identity. What is that? Your STEM identity is how you construct yourself as a science-minded or mathematically-minded individual versus how society has inscribed that on you. So society says you're a science person. Your family and the people who love you says you're a science person. And now you construct a STEM identity. And now when you go to school, you're like, oh, I could do this. It might be a little difficult, but I work my way through this. Now, other folks from different backgrounds have their STEM identity challenged. And those of us who teach and even parents who may be listening have a responsibility to create identity markers or inscriptions early that are strong enough for certain populations that when they go into the world that says you're not, it's strong enough to combat that. The dopest thing about a STEM identity is it's forever being shaped. Yet there are things that get in the way of a healthy, thriving STEM identity. You've interviewed hundreds of students who've said that they're not smart enough to succeed in STEM. Many suffer from what you call STEM PTSD, or poor teaching in STEM disorder. When have you seen this happen, and what does it look like? So teaching math and science in middle school, for me, was so revealing about the way that science and math and technical subjects have been packaged to young people who are inherently curious, but their curiosity is not tapped. I've seen children in sixth grade who, when introduced to a scientific or algebraic formula, will literally shrink in their seats and run out of the room and say, I can't, I won't. And, and, and break out in sweats and, 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 and start exhibiting behavior, like start being angry and start, and start um, having behavior issues as a consequence of traumatic experiences and instruction. We have a population in our country who are so fearful of math, so fearful of science, so doubtful of their own abilities. That sounds like the opposite of what teachers want to do. In your book, you introduce this idea of science-mindedness. How can teachers use it to help students heal and to have more confidence in their STEM abilities? When somebody who's been traumatized by STEM, you help them to be able to identify what their science and STEM-mindedness is in their natural, natural disposition. And so all of a sudden you say, whoa, you, like you're curious like Einstein. You start attaching their inherent characteristics that they've used to form their identity with STEM. So you attach skills to disposition. You attach science-mindedness to science ability. One of the issues with STEM is that we think about it as objective and we ignore the fact that STEM can be biased and exclude certain groups. Why should teachers reconfigure the way they think about STEM? And how can that lead to more equity in the STEM field? These are things that folks don't like saying, but like, Yo, STEM is patriarchal. STEM is racist. STEM necessarily extracts out black and brown folks and indigenous knowledges. Science is not objective. If you hide under the idea that you are objective, then you're then you're hiding a bias that exists just because of the nature of the discipline. So the height of objectivity is deep subjectivity. Deep subjectivity means knowing who you are, where you are, where you've been within it, and then bringing that to the discipline to help the discipline heal from its missteps historically. 
And so that's why, like, we reach equity by a reorientation, a reorientation of the discipline of STEM and a more expansive look at STEAM. We don't reach equity by representation. I want to shift in thinking, not just having more numbers, because more numbers with folks who are still operating in, in the most basic ideas within a discipline is no different than what we have now. I'm glad you mentioned STEAM. A few years ago, it became popular to turn STEM into STEAM, with the A standing for arts. As a former arts teacher, I was drawn to the way that you talk about STEAM because you don't just see arts as an add-on. It's more than just having kids label and draw the inside of an animal cell. Math lesson plans may explore how Native Americans bent wood to create baskets. A physics project might invite students to create model cars and calculate how fast they'll go in a soapbox derby. Can you talk to me more about the potential of STEAM? The arts is a way of knowing and being. It's a, whew, it's... It's the essence of humanity. When I say the A in STEAM, it's, it's art, it's ancestry. How do I incorporate where I come from, where I've been, where my people come from? It's also authenticity. How do I bring my true self to this interrogation? We say, take time out in science and math and technology and engineering to connect to the essence of our collective humanity and utilize the essence of our collective humanity to drive our pursuits of science and math. We anchor STEM in the concept of the arts and allow for those who can tap into their artistic selves to interrogate science and math and engineering and, and technological fields. And, and I think that when we teach STEM by celebrating the concept of the arts, it, it sticks to the ribs more. You could teach a young person a science concept, like they could know it today, know it for the test, forget it tomorrow. It ain't stuck to the ribs. You know what I mean? You want it to stick to the ribs. It's got, it's got, it's got to be good. It's got to be down home. I want down home STEM instruction. I love that. I think that brings us pretty well to a STEM dream culture. I want to hear more about what that is. It's a new thing for a lot of folks, a really expansive idea. Can you tell us more about it? I think that we don't pay enough attention to or give enough space for the act of dreaming. Could you imagine a class in a middle or high school that has as much time as math or English or social studies or art, where it's just space to play and dream. The outcome of the class is for you to share something with us at the end of this that means something to you. And I think we need to offer that luxury to young people. You know, time should not just be an affordance of those who are privileged. And that's oftentimes been the case. Like, I don't have to struggle to make ends meet, so I have the time to be able to just chill and think about things. You know, poor folks, black and brown folks, marginalized folks need to have the luxury of time, uh, time to play and time to dream. And I, and I think that connects to STEM and to STEAM. A huge thank you to Chris Emden. You can read more about his work with STEM and STEAM in his book, STEM, STEAM, Make Dream. Thank you for listening. We'll have mini-sodes for you each month that bring you stories from teachers finding solutions in education and beyond. Hit follow on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out. 
Our editor is Chris Hambrick. Chris Hoff is our sound designer. Jen Chien is our head of podcasts. And Holly Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. MindShift is supported in part by the generosity of the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation and members of KQED. For MindShift, I'm Nima Gobier. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.